1: Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, episode 121 versus Star Wars Rebellion versus War of the Ring. we like to thank Columbus, Ohio, for being our upcoming home away from home for the Origins Board Gaming Convention. You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron but with better lip-syncing. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris.
2: And this is
0: Anthony.
1: So, Anthony, it looks like we're getting the gang back together again. We're going to meet again at Origins this coming, what, week or so? Yeah, like,
2: I don't know, like four days. It's <laughs> <That's> crazy. <laughs> I'm so excited. It's my birthday (laughs) weekend. I get to do this every year.
1: I think it's very nice of Origins to put this convention on for your birthday. They know you're a big board game fan, and I think that's got to be something that we got to shout out for.
2: Yes. Yes. Thank you, Origins. I appreciate it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, obviously, the Origins board gaming convention is right around the corner. We hope that everyone is going to get a chance to get out there. Uh, Columbus, Ohio is a beautiful place to go at this time of year, and the Origins Game Convention is a fantastic place to play the newest games that are hitting the market right there and then, and actually meeting with some great designers, publishers, and everyone out there in the board gaming universe, especially and including us, right? Yeah, definitely. If
2: you guys are out there, let us know. Like We are there for the whole time. And we don't spend the entire time talking to publishers and designers. Actually, last year, multiple times, we found ourselves without a game to play.
1: So wah, wah, wah.
2: Exactly. If yep. you guys are there and want to play a game with us, or if you are just about and about and want to say hi, let us know. Uh, we will be there. We should have our shirts so you can see our giant logo from across the room. <laughs> <laughs> Track us down. Say hi. If nothing else.
1: And uh, looking forward to meeting everybody there. All right, well, this gives me the perfect opportunity to talk about how to actually get in contact with us. So if you are heading out to Origins and you do want to throw down a game, we are totally, completely up for that. You want to hit us up on one of our social media platforms. So once again, Facebook, Twitter, BoardGamersAnonymous.com, which has our email addresses on there, our Patreon account, or who knows? Why don't you just let us know that you're out there on our iTunes ratings or on Stitcher. Wherever you can get in contact with us, please do, because we're always looking to game with our gamers out there, and it would be a fantastic opportunity to meet with you there. All right, so with all of that said, let's get on to the episode and talk about our acquisition disorders. Maybe a few that actually will actually be there at Origins. So, Anthony, you're up first. What do you got for us?
2: Okay, so today we're talking about... War of the Ring and Star Wars Rebellion, so I thought it was only apropos to talk about Hunt for the Ring. woo is It's a new Lord of the Rings game from Ares with two of the designers of War of the Ring, Marco Maggi and Francesco Nepatello, along with Gabrielle Mari. So this is a hidden movement game about escaping from the Shire to Bree and then from Bree to Rivendell. And so you're going to play it in two chapters or two separate boards, actually, for each of those different escapes. One player is going to play the role of Frodo and the companions trying to get away while up to four other players will represent the Nazgul, school trying to hunt them down. So it's actually kind of reverse from a lot of these hidden role games where the good guy is the one and the bad guys are the many, which is pretty cool. Uh, the, the whole idea here is though, is you're trying to get away from the Shire. You're going to gain corruption points if you can't do that within a certain number of turns. If you do succeed, you get to go to the second chapter and then move from Bree to Rivendell. You won't, The game actually changes in that second chapter. You'll be using a deck of cards instead of controlling the hobbits and taking different paths. I haven't played it yet. I'm hoping to get a demo in at Origins this week. It's got the same beautiful artwork. It's Lord of the Rings, and it's from the same guys of War of the Ring. I don't even necessarily like hidden movement games, but I'm super excited for this.
1: Surprisingly enough, My Acquisition Disorder is also about our Versus this week. And I'm talking about the expansion for Star Wars Rebellion, and that's Star Wars Rebellion Rise of the Empire. Now, this was a surprising expansion because who knew that they were actually going to tap into the recent Rogue One, a Star Wars stories movie, for this new content so basically what we're looking at is a good number of the characters from that movie and for surprisingly for some strange reason and i don't remember seeing him in the movie job of the hut is also (laughs) in this expansion okay (laughs) so
2: in the background yeah
1: also back to rogue one i did see him in the movie was director krennic who's in the movie along with his death troopers and you are going to be able to set traps for the rebel pilots. You can lo- lure them into massive battles. Job of the Hutt, as I said, is going to make an appearance feeding prisoners to the Sarlacc Pit. Obviously, Jin is going to do a lot of shenanigans when it comes to Death Star plans. And as they say in their press release, altogether, Rise of the Empire introduces eight new leaders, 36 plastic miniatures, five target markers, two attachment rings, which really are my, f- my most interesting part of the game. Three new dice and more than 100 new cards, which is amazing. You'll find U Wings, Tie Strikers, Nebulon B Freights, and the Interdictor, <laughs> which is fantastic. It's more of the game that I really love. And, you know, while the movie didn't do everything, it did really put together some wonderful action sequences. So I'm really looking forward to this expansion. I haven't played it yet, but I can't imagine why this would not be a must-buy, other than the fact that it's some odd characters that don't fit into the regular universe. But, hey, if it's got Job of the Hutt, how could you not pick up this expansion?
2: Yeah, I mean, why not? Yeah! I don't quite understand why it's Rise of the Empire when the Empire already has Death Stars, but sure.
1: Sure. (laughs) I think they were running out of these types of Rise last strikes back and they you know why not so yeah, they're like what's available rise of the empire. <laughs> okay do it they have a whole sheet of action words that they cross off each and every week <laughs> have we used rise recently i'm not sure okay uh i did, yeah because i think the empire was pretty well risen at that point so um so star wars rebellion rise of the empire uh definitely something i'm gonna be picking up and something that should be on your interstellar radar coming up so Anthony, uh those are the games that are on our radar. What games have we actually gotten to the table for BGA this week? All right, I have a a pretty interesting game. It, mainly cuz
2: it comes from Simon. Okay. It is Lorenzo Il Magnifico. Ah, a yes. pure Euro. Ooh, <laughs> bellissimo. Molto bene. Grazie. Exactly. So is, this was released at Essen last year by Cranio Creations. It was picked up by CMON for U.S. distribution, and it just hit like last month. So the reason I caught my eyes as one of the designers of Marco Polo, which is one of my favorite games, and a couple of uh, uh, new Italian designers, at least to me. And the game itself, when I picked it up, the, the local game store, uh, he specifically said, oh, this game is brutal. So I went in with kind of expectations that it would be brutal. And it is a little tough, but it's not quite that brutal unless you're not used to Euro. So this is definitely a heavy Euro gamers game. So the basic idea of the game is that you are taking actions uh, based on the rolls of three dice. Um, There's three universal dice that everybody's going to use, and they're different colors, and you have four action markers, three of which match those dice colors, and one of which is a freebie, but it starts at zero. And so whatever those dice are every round, those are your points. So everybody has the same ones. Um, so it's dice, it's random luck, but at least it's universal. The difference is that you have assistance, which can increase the value of those die rolls. And then you will be buying cards, which can do all sorts of other things. And so what you're going to be trying to do is buy different cards from the board. There are four different towers. You place your workers on those towers, each of which has four spaces with a one, three, five, or seven. So you obviously need a die or a combination of die and assistance to reach those places. And you'll be buying territory cards, which are green for production. They give you wood and stone and money. Um, blue cards, which are nobles that give you different discounts or permanent powers. Yellow cards, these are merchant cards. They allow you to buy and sell things, gain faith points, etc. cetera. Um, purple cards are the nobles, which are just big bonuses and end game points. Uh, so the goal is to buy these different cards, build out your tableau, and then activate different rows of your tableau that will then give you resources that you can then go use to buy more cards. Um, There are a few other tracks in the game. There's a faith track that you need to build up because in the second, fourth, and sixth round, you need to pay homage to the church. If you cannot, you are excommunicated. And if you are excommunicated, there are different horribly painful things that happen to you for the rest of the game. So if you get excommunicated in the second round, you basically lose... um, like, it'll say you get one less coin every time you get coins, which really hurts. Um, it can be assistance. It can be other things. If you get excommunicated in the second round, it makes one of your dies, one of the four towers that much harder to get. So it, it like, adds plus four to all the requirements. Um, and then in the third round, it just hurts your endgame points. Someone's always going to get excommunicated from something. Uh, you, you're not going to make it through without getting excommunicated from one of them, but it's really hard to know when to do it and how. Uh This is a really good game. Actually, it's it's probably one of my favorites of the year thus far. It's a must-play, I think, for anybody who's a fan of tight, resource-driven Euros. There there are dice. They are a huge factor here. Um, If you have a low roll in a round and you don't have any assistance, you might not be able to do very much. But there are ways around that, and there are ways to manipulate it in your favor. And you really just have to be prepared for those things. So... If you are, are a fan of Euros that utilize dice in these creative ways, if you like Marco Polo, if you like Castles of Burgundy, but you want something a little heavier than those games, um, this is a must-buy. You should definitely check this out. If you want zero luck, no dice, no dice at all in your games, you know, probably, once again, don't don't pick up a game with dice dice in it, but... For everybody else, for people like me who have put Marco Polo and Castles of Burgundy in their top 10 and 20, this is a must-buy.
1: Yeah, this absolutely seems like the game for me. So if you did have to pick a weight for this game, what what do you think? Uh, I give it like a three and a half. Okay. Heavier than Marco Polo? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely
2: heavier than Marco Polo because you have to constantly – you constantly have to figure out – Am I going to have enough stuff to be able to do that thing? But I, to do that thing, I need to make sure I have enough of these three types of resources to activate this thing so I can do that thing. Okay. Um, there's a lot of that. There's So you're always planning one or two rounds in advance, and it's very tight. For example, placing out your territory cards, you have to have a certain level of military strength to do that. Okay. Um, and you get set bonuses for those territory cards, and you get set bonuses for the noble cards. So you're constantly also adding up your points and the different set bonuses and the multipliers to see like <laughs> which action is going to be worth the most points. Sure. So right now I know there's listeners out there being like, ugh, and so it's probably not great for you. But the, the those of you out there are like, OK, OK, like, <laughs> this is your game. This is the type of game you like. Um, it's well worth checking out.
1: I love it when people say like, I don't know, that game's really heavy. I don't think you're liking. You're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> No, 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 keep talking. That's that's fine. That's not scaring me away. <laughs> he's like, it's
2: really tight, the resources. I'm like, Cool, cool. cool. <laughs> Outside, he's like, I mean, I don't even know if you could do everything you want to
1: do every round. I'm like, sounds like a challenge. <laughs> uh, uh okay. <laughs> that's good to sounds like it sounds like a bad uh Eurogamer erotic novel. <laughs> want to make it weird yeah (laughs) i think we're already there my friend i think we're already there fell down
2: that rabbit
1: hole (laughs) a long time ago a long time ago all right so a game that i want to talk about is another euro game obviously on the lighter side and this is Yunnan. this is a kind of like a light to maybe medium weight i know board game geek is placing it at least a 3.32 as far as the heaviness is concerned i think it might be a little bit lighter here Now, what we're looking at is the Great Chinese Tea Dynasties. So, basically, if you've played, and this reminded me of of, uh, Village, what you're looking at is you're looking at um, being able to do auctions. So, there is going to be five different areas in which you'll be able to place your meeples to be able to spend your money in order to get actions that are going to affect the main map board. So, if you remember, if you played Village before where... had that kind of main area selection where you're going to get your resources and things and then use them on the map to kind of get out there and spread and build all these chains. Well, same kind of thing here, but obviously it's an auction. So you're going to kind of jockey for auctions, but it's not a bad auction. It's a set auction here. So you're basically looking at five, seven, nine, twelve, 12, and then uh, 15. So you really know what you're going to, you know, how, how would you say, outbid somebody. And if you do get knocked out, you can jump back in And obviously, the five actions games are really going to determine a lot of the gameplay here. So basically, you can pick up extra men, you could increase your power, you can move your horse, which I'll get to in a second, you can move your prominent scale up, that's going to knock other people out, but could actually backfire on you, and then you'll be able to build bridges and different types of structures on the map. So once you're able to select those options, then what you're going to be able to do is You know, manage the map to the best of your ability by spreading out your people, by putting down tea houses, by putting out trade houses. And then when you get to the scoring round, depending on how many meeples you have in that area and depending on that multiplier in that area because each section of the map has its own multiplier the further down the map that you go the higher the multiplier there but you can't run your meeples out there unless your horse is already far far out there then you could build your bridges and then you could send your meeples out so there is jockeying for space there is knocking other people's meeples out of those areas but it's a very tight and clean Euro game, as far as auctions are going, it's not too overwhelming with the auctions. It's got a network building, but not too overwhelming because there's only about, I would say, maybe six or seven different provinces in those areas. So it's not heavy complex as far as, am I building the right route? It's pretty standard there. And then finally, by building those structures and having your meeples out on the board and protecting your meeples as much as possible, by having a number of boarding passes that let you go to new areas... It's a really tight, interesting auction game that everyone enjoyed at the table. I would say this game's a play. It misses out on the buy because it really doesn't offer more than that auction element and that kind of route-building map kind of area. It's it's pretty tight. It's pretty short. Um, It was a pretty good time, so I would say that Yunnan is a play. Yeah, it sounds interesting. I mean, it sounds
2: like it kind of falls into that a little too short and not quite deep enough to pull it off but like a lot of good ideas
1: yeah this game could definitely use an expansion because it has the right elements it's doing the right things nothing seems to be sloppy or missed and it, it has just enough artwork and theme to the game that you really do feel like you're kind of building a dynasty here and you know the tea really doesn't come into play like you're not you're not picking up tea you're not trading tea so much you're just kind of capturing certain areas so it's a little bit of a very dry euro as far as that's concerned but uh if you do see this game i would check it out it plays up to five people and uh came out i guess back in 2013 by aaron hegg so uh yeah it's definitely worth the play So that's everything that's hitting our table at BGA. Now on to our feature review. As I started to talk about at the start, we are doing a versus episode. We are talking about War of the Ring versus Star Wars Rebellion. Two great games that are about a trilogy, an epic, operatic battle, good versus evil. So Anthony... Why don't you take up War of the Ring, and I'll take up Star Wars Rebellion. Why don't you start off with telling us a little bit about War of the Ring? Ah,
2: what is there not to like about this game? That's it. That's all I got.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let me talk about mine.
2: (laughs) All right. So full disclosure, War of the Ring is currently my top rated game. Uh, It's number one on my list and has been there for a little while. It is the perfect presentation in a board game of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. One player plays the Free Peoples, the other plays the Shadow Armies, and while there is combat throughout the game and the Shadow Armies are just trying to win, you know, through either finding that ring or straight military victory, the Free Peoples, while they do fight back, will generally be trying to get that ring bearer to Mount Doom to destroy the one ring. And that's really the the core of the game. You move through the map hidden, but the way they hide you and the way you kind of manipulate the map and move through it is very interesting. Um, the whole idea of, of the hunt for the ring and the way you use those hunt tokens, it's its randomized to some degree, but also like how far you move while hidden before you kind of surface um, will impact kind of the ease with which you can be found. There's a lot of different types of uh, miniatures here, which is beautiful, of course, uh, but Also, from the free people side, you can't necessarily use them all right away. There's a political track that people aren't really ready to fight unless things get really, really bad. So the the track needs to move um, or need to be persuaded by all these different horrible things happening before you can unlock some of the additional uh, free people's armies that are available. Um, So that's a big part of it as well. So the whole flow of the game thematically is just this beautiful representation of what the War of the Ring quite literally is. Um, There is heavy use of dice. Um, uh, There's event cards that you'll be drawing along with specific cards that you can draw for your different characters, special abilities for some of the named characters versus just the troops that you have, um, especially on the free people side. I mean, there's a lot you could go into here. There are two expansions as well that that add a lot more to the game um, that draw from different elements of the trilogy, but also a little bit beyond that. And this is just a purely, purely epic experience.
1: That works out really well because what I'm going to talk about is a truly epic experience, Star Wars Rebellion. Now, if you remember the original trilogy, what you remember about it is this classic good versus evil about this gigantic galactic empire that's reaching out and taking over the galaxy, swallowing up all of these innocent planets and subjugating them to their will And you have this fledgling alliance that is trying to fight back here. So as the Empire grows with influences and spreads out throughout the map, and it does so in this board game, the Rebel Alliance has its own forces, and it's trying to rally new systems to its cause. So throughout the game, you are going to either play the Galactic Empire, or you're going to play the Rebel Alliance. And what's really interesting about this game is that each side plays differently. Now, while they both have somewhat similar units, you're going to have the classic Tie Fighters and X Wings, and you're going to have the capital ships, and you're also going to have the Death Star. The Death Star is in this game. I, <laughs> I can't, Im- I can't believe that I actually predicted this way, way back when on our predictions for, you know, what was coming out. And I said there's going to be Death Star miniatures, and there's actually Death Star miniatures in this game. So just like uh, the original New Hope. The Empire is searching for the Rebel base and trying to find and destroy it. So basically, as the Rebel Alliance, you are trying to hide out somewhere in this galaxy here. And basically, what you're going to be able to do is you're going to be selecting a planet from this deck of cards. And that planet is going to be your home base. And once that's been selected then you are going to make a decision here. Where do you plant out your troops? How do you defend your home base? How do you slyly attack the Empire without getting discovered yourself? And as the Empire, you are going to try to find out, just like in A New Hope where they where they attempt to take out Yavin 4 or where they go and they actually take out the base on Hoth, you are trying to discover all of these outposts, especially the main base of the Rebel Alliance and destroy it. So you're going to have Star Destroyers and the Death Star, and you're also going to have all of the characters from Star Wars. So whether it's You know, Dark Vader, or the Emperor, or Boba Fett, or you're going to have Luke Skywalker, or Han Solo, or Princess Leia. All of the characters are here. Everything about that original trilogy is here in one box. There is fighting, there's gameplay, there's intrigue, and there's also something that's interesting about the game. The game can actually play out slightly differently. So, maybe Han Solo doesn't get frozen in carbonate. Maybe it's Princess Leia. Or maybe Dark Vader gets taken down early. (laughs) So this game offers you a number of different ways to retell the classic stories. Or maybe it plays out just as it did in the movies. So that is Star Wars Rebellion. Once again, an epic, epic gameplay. So, Anthony, we've talked about generally what's great about these games and how they are epic as far as the battle from good versus evil. Let's talk a little bit more about the mechanics. What really kind of keeps the game going above and beyond really nailing the theme down?
2: Yeah, and I think that's a big part of it. I mean, both of them have a lot in common in that you have very asymmetrical gameplay. Um, There's a, a hidden aspect of it where you're trying to hide from the other side. What I find really interesting about War of the Ring is that it manages to take two very important elements of that trilogy. You have the, the movement of the fellowship and later of Frodo and and Sam to Mount Doom alongside kind of the epic battles that occur throughout Middle-earth kind of to, to almost draw that attention away from Mount Doom to, to focus on basically to protect the world from Sauron and his armies as they progress. And, the game manages to do that. It has a very interesting mechanics in terms of how the, the the combat works out. The action dice, when you roll them, they have different faces, and those faces will allow you to activate specific actions. So it's not you're not rolling necessarily just numbers, although the combat does come down to rolling numbers based on certain things that you have. But they allow you to move armies or characters or recruit new troops or advance political tracks and hopefully recruit you know additional factions to your side, uh, depending on who you are. At the same time, you have these event cards that you're drawing that have specific events from the story or that could have possibly happened in the story and allow you to advance and develop and maybe you know get to that next level or find that a special part of the 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 story that you love so much and which the expansions do such a great job of bringing in new stuff you know like the ents or the eagles uh, into that space so i love that part so much and it allows you to both have fun and play out of this epic experience Even if, you know, you're playing the Free Peoples, you get to do, you know, control all these additional characters, and you get to do the the hidden movement and try to get to Mount Doom, whereas if you're the, you know, the Shadow Armies, it's just a lot of combat and a lot of hunting for the ring. But both of those are so much fun, and I think that's such a hard thing to do in an asymmetrical game, is make both sides equally fun. It's just the ability to combine that core element of combat with this whole other board game. Like, They're making a game just about the hunt for the ring. That's what I always thought when I played this. Like, this could be a separate game. And now it is a separate game. (laughs) Um, That's how good it is. And that's, like, mechanically it all flows together and just kind of meshes in this perfect way.
1: Well, that's great. And I think you do find a lot of that on Star Wars Rebellion because there is a lot of card play here and really interactive card play that's going to actually thematically and mechanically allow you to play out different scenes and different aspects of the different factions. So what in particular the rebellion is going to allow you to do is be able to shut down different areas by sabotage. So while the empire is kind of generating a lot of ships and men, you're going to be able to shut those down and kind of sneak in there. So a lot of hit run tactics, a lot of Bothan spies kind of jumping in there, just a lot of ways to keep the empire slow enough so that the rebellion can live long enough to actually meet its goals. So as the turn marker ticks up, you're as the rebellion, you are trying to complete objectives that will actually allow you to win the game, whereas the empire is trying to keep you from achieving those objectives and also trying to find your hidden base. So not only does it have an enormous amount of really well-crafted miniatures on the board that really truly represent the game as far as the scale's concerned, and you're actually able with the Death Star to destroy whole planets, you again have this deck of cards where you'll be able to set up a home base as the Rebellion, but if it does get discovered or you're getting a little kind of worrisome, what you'll be able to do is actually be able to transport and try to find another safe haven, if possible, if the Empire hasn't reached out everywhere yet. Now, the characters themselves are all here in the base game, and what you're being able to do is to deploy them, and each different character has its own set of special abilities that will affect the battle to bring troops to their side, to be able to take out or to stop other people from achieving their objectives. And then once again, there are these little kind of control tokens that wrap around these different generals in action. So you could free someone Carbonite, or you can convert somebody to the dark side. So a lot of different ways, a lot of the kind of miniatures action, dice rolling for combat, card play as far as, you know, what special abilities, objectives that come into play, and a kind of hidden movement that I haven't seen in this type of game before. So it has solid Euro mechanics, solid Amerithrash mechanics, and once again, it has that hidden movement mechanic, which is fantastic. So, Anthony, we talked about theme, we talked about mechanics. Finally, let's talk about, you know, the things that really matter most, gameplay and fun. So, what is it about War of the Ring that really makes this your number one game and something that you're always going to come back to?
2: I think, just like you're talking about, like the, the combination of, you know, Amerithrash and... Euro goodness, I don't I don't necessarily you know see a lot of Amerithrash and War of the Ring. It's it's very strategic in how it plays out. It's more of a war game combined with a board game. But at the same time, uh, it gives you depth in ways you don't even expect. So it can take three or four hours to play this game, and I spend the entire time fully consumed, you know, absorbed in every action and reaction. And it's just as much playing whether I'm playing the Shadow or the Free Peoples. It doesn't matter. Like I'm just I'm in the game and I'm enjoying it. And there's so many different ways to think about the decisions you're making to the point where in the anniversary edition of the game, they, they have a 50- or 60-page strategy guide that you can buy that comes with the game that gives you you know, tips on these different points and how you're going to you know, tackle them. Aesthetically, it feels like you're in uh, Middle Earth, like you have this beautiful, beautiful painted board. The miniatures are fantastic, and there's dozens of them. The cards have this fantastic full colored artwork they're tarot sized cards they didn't need to be it's just such an immersive experience and people say that a lot about thematic games and i agree that they're thematically immersive but they're not always immersive in gameplay where you know might be fun but not necessarily that you know intellectually immersive you're not feeling and thinking through every action that you're taking and as a euro gamer that's what i want i don't want like a pretzel game where I can have a conversation and still move stuff around. Sometimes that's fun, but when I really, really want something that's going to take up an entire afternoon, this is the type of game I want, and no game has done it better than this for me, at least not yet.
1: Great. Well, for Star Wars Rebellion, it's not going to take up your whole afternoon. This is definitely a much shorter game, but really, it's so impressive to see a game really and truly embody the wonderfulness of the Star Wars trilogy. And I don't think that's been done in any other game. I mean, there's been game maybe with better miniatures or maybe game that had some better artwork there. But this really has it all. If you're looking for a Star Wars game, if you're looking for something that truly embodies that whole trilogy universe with all the characters, with all the miniatures, with all the gameplay, and surprisingly enough with Enough intrigue and enough kind of anxiety as far as can I find them or can I stay hidden? I don't can't imagine a game that's out there right now that does it better than this. And once again, we're looking for something that truly matches the theme, has the mechanics that goes along with it, and stays around for a long time. Now, Star Wars Rebellion is a new game, and I know that War of the Ring has been out in multiple versions, especially this. Wondrous kind of epic, legendary edition that was only produced in a small number. So, time may tell when it comes to Star Wars Rebellion if this is a game that stays around long term. Obviously, I talked about earlier how it has an upcoming expansion, and I guess it's going to have multiple upcoming expansions, you know, soon to come. But uh, you know, if you lo- if you're a Star Wars fan, you can't do much better. I don't think you can do better either in a board game or a video game, when you're looking for wondrous Star Wars content. I will concede, though, I've also played War of the Ring, and I'm also a big, you know, Lord of the Rings fan, and I think if there is something that sets the two aside, I think it's what you said, Anthony, is that the characters that play in the game just don't have a one-time special ability. Or they just don't have a particular stat. They're really out there on the board for the entire gameplay. Whereas Star Rebellion, they're kind of out there, they kind of do their thing and they kind of come back and they come back out there again. It's it's still it's still good. It's still very good. But War of the Ring, you know, there's something Epic about having those characters the entire time and finding interesting and innovative ways to kind of utilize them together. You know, whether it's the fellowship, how they really have to kind of combine their powers at particular points, or if you're playing as a shadow player, you know, trying to divide and conquer just like they did in the movie. I think that's where the mechanics really truly do embody the theme in the best way possible. And uh, I think War of the Ring comes out on top here.
2: Woo! Yeah. i mean i will concede as well like star wars rebellion is a fantastic game and like you said it is the best board game version of star wars and possibly as you said video game version there aren't a lot of good video games to star wars either but man war of the ring like and you couldn't you couldn't divorce war of the ring from the theme because it's built into it so much sure but as a board game it's also one of the best board games ever made i'm not saying star wars rebellion is not i'm just saying war of the ring definitely
1: is Yeah, and I think that, you know, the reason why War of the Ring has held up in, you know, Board Game Geek's, you know, top 100 of all time and how their legendary original production is something that's still sought after by all collectors, whether you're a Lord of the Rings fan or not, it says something. Yeah, absolutely. I wish I'd grabbed a cotton. Well, I couldn't afford it when it was available, but I wish I could afforded it. I think that would be a game that you would want to have multiple copies if for no other reason. That is very true. (laughs) So that's everything for our feature review. Our versus Star Wars Rebellion versus Lord of the Rings, War of the Ring, and War of the Ring is the one game that truly will rule them all. All right, Anthony. So talking about the best of the best, what's been the best question of this week?
2: All right. So I have a fun one. Uh, In So we talked about two games that were adapted from media. I asked what board games should be adapted into other media. All right. Asking people which IPs they want to see turned into other things. So uh, Willie says he would love to see a gritty television series set in the Scythe universe. Wow. Or maybe a cyberpunk television show set in the world of Spectre Ops. So uh, that's pretty interesting. I think Scythe anything is. uh, Scythe anything is always a good thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The correct Uh, answer is
1: always Scythe. I think that's how it goes. Yeah, exactly. I think.
2: And I think Scythe is actually being turned into at least a video game. Yes. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a film come out of that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Tim said definitely Scythe or maybe Terra Mystica. Oh, okay. No. That's nice. I'm not sure what Terra Mystica would turn into. That's some interesting races, though. I mean, yeah. No idea. That'd be cool. Paul mentioned Anachrony, which is a game I haven't had a chance to play yet, but I know it is pretty uh, spectacular production-wise. Nice. Uh, and then Daniel mentioned Twilight Imperium. Ah. Which would which would be pretty cool. I think, we are, um, I
1: think we already have that, but okay.
2: Twilight Imperium? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> it depends on how you think about it. Man, what a little um, scene. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Connor on Twitter at Games and Gains says, A Marvel-style crossover battle royale mm-hmm. based on Uwe Rosenberg's farming games. <laughs> Written by George R. R. Martin and Frank Miller. Nice. <laughs> I'm not sure how seriously he's taking it, but at the same time that sounds pretty cool. Okay. And then uh at Mo- Major Havoc says Aeon's End of the MMORPG or Sentinels of the Multiverse the cinematic universe. Wow. Okay. Yeah, Which I can I see that. See the Sentinels. Like it, it was built as a story, so I could definitely see that turned into something. Yeah, I
1: would love that as a, like a Netflix series.
2: Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Mm-hmm. They they just they I think they have Castlevania coming out
1: so Yes, yeah. I heard that.
2: They do that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. All right. So, what about you, Anthony? Anything on your, uh, you know, possible future, you know, media watching radar?
2: <laughs> I think Scythe was definitely like at the top of my list, and then sure. everybody else said it. So, um, I can't think of anything that'd be better. I mean, it's a that's a lived in world already. Like, you sure. don't even have to do any world building; it's there. So, I'd love to see them turn that into really anything it would be cool.
1: Yeah, this is going to be a completely odd pick for me, at least if you listen to the podcast, but I really like to see an Arkham Horror or Cthulhu-esque type of you know series. I mean, hmm. it is coming out from Stephen King, and Saru is the Dark Tower, and so there is some sort of Cthulhu-esque type of stuff going out there. I'm watching Twin Peaks The Return, which has a lot of that type of mysticism, and you know epic creepy elder gods kind of there and that's really working really well for me so i would like to see a definitive series here so that we can do it once do it well and kind of move on a little bit
2: that would make a great netflix series
1: yes very much so yeah (laughs) come on they should do this already it's 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 a free ip come on why haven't they hit this yet (laughs) all right so that's everything for us this week Until next time, this is Chris and this is Anthony and we'll save you the one seat that will rule them all.